As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The Leaf Report is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. You probably didn't know that Leaf tickets and NHL ticket prices drop right before the game starts. Well, GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers then shows you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have already downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can look at specific deals from upcoming games. You can look at the seat view from the tickets you're looking at buying. You can highlight tickets across all the major leagues and teams. The app is simple. It's quick. It's easy to navigate. A two-tap checkout system. So head over to the App Store or Play Store now to download the GameTime app and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. James, uh, we are back with a mid-November podcast. Um, it feels like it's like a, a tense time around the Leafs. 20 games have passed. They are on a 90-point pace. Um, I was in Long Island on Wednesday night. Uh, it felt like a game that they should have won, did not win. Um, and, I, and I guess just where we're at with this team is it, it, it feels like an underwhelming start, a, a start where they haven't 
played to expectations. Like, how do you feel about their first 20 games? And like, I was thinking at the airport this morning coming back, out of 10, like what would be your level of concern if you were Kyle Dubas right now? Mm, I don't know. I did like Probably a like, five. I, I'm going to say like a seven, seven and a half. Okay. So that's pretty high. I'd be, I'd be more concerned than, than not. Like, I don't, I don't think there's no concern. They look, they don't look very good. Like they don't, the thing that we have to keep in mind is the expectation levels on this team are very, very high. I mean, they've won, what have they won? They've won three of their last, like. They had a stretch where they went 4-1-1 one, and one pretty recently. Right. But it's not like you could look at those games and be like, wow, that that's a, that's a cup team right there. So they've won four of the last 11. I, how many games this season have there been where you were like, wow, like, look at the, look at this team. Like, look at the, you know, they got three of the $11 million guys and they've got all this firepower on the back end. And Frederick Anderson is one of the best goalies in the league. And, you know, like both special teams have been problematic most of the year. There have been goaltending issues. There have been even strength issues. There have been defensive issues. There, there, there have been a lot of. I think that they've they've significantly underperformed for sure. I guess a few points to that. Um, I can't dispute any of that. Like I was, I was thinking when I was writing my story after the game against the Islanders, I was trying to think like, what's like the best win that they've had this year. And San like, Jose. I guess you could say, yeah, like, I guess you could say San Jose, but San Jose is like not a, not a great team. No, they were uh, you could year. look at, right. Like they were in a second game Vegas. of a back to back that night too, right? Right. Um, you could look at the Vegas win. Like that's an overtime win. It wasn't like a, it was a, it was a fine performance. Like it wasn't uh spectacular. I guess you could look at the Boston game where they went in overtime, but even that. It's like that you haven't, and, and Babcock talked about this. Like there isn't a game where you can look at and say that's how they need to play. Like that's them. Like that's them at their best. This is that team. It's also only twenty games, and twenty games is not nothing. Like it's a quarter of the season. Does it still feel too early to to be seven out of ten concerned? Like why is why is now the right time to be like alarmed? Well, when we were 13 games in, I wrote the piece, and I see fans are throwing it back at me today in defense of Mike Babcock, but essentially what I was saying was that it's so early, there are a lot of things that have gone wrong that aren't on the coaching staff, we need to see more of what this team is over the next month or two before we can start to, you know, talk about firing people and trading everybody and like all this stuff, like it's, it's... It's still early. You're right. But then again, we're a quarter of the way into the season. I I think it's still early, but if they continue to look like this for another 10 or 15 games, all of a sudden it's not early anymore. All of a sudden you're and 10 or 15 games in the NHL. I mean, it only takes you a month to get there. So you can say it's early, but the fact that we're 20 games in and we're not sure we can't pick up one game that we like that they played is, it's not great. It's not great. And the other thing, too, is that I'm not sure what you can point to right now and say that's what that's where the turnaround's going to come. 
you know, when Tavares well, was out, it was kind of, it was kind of like I think I could. Oh, what do you think is gonna gonna be the turnaround? I thought about this. I actually was gonna include it in my story, and then I thought, you know what? Like, I can't I can't say these things for certain, and then I I probably actually can imply them, and maybe I should have. Um, what I think could turn around, I think a lot of their new players can get more comfortable. I think we haven't seen anything close to the best of Tyson Berry. Uh, I think Kerfoot has, has shown spurts of like what he can do. I think Mikheyev has kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, I just think like you throw that many new players and combinations into the mix at once, like four new lines, three new D pair, um, a backup goalie who did not perform. Like I was just thinking to myself, like what if they had competent goaltending on those nights and they had two more wins, three more wins, would we be looking at them a little bit differently? Um, so like what can turn around? I think that they're those guys, the new players to the team could get more comfortable. They can get more comfortable with the system. I mean, they brought in two new assistant coaches, changes to their power play, changes to their penalty kill. That can get more comfortable. And I think their stars can play a lot better. I think Matthews obviously, you know, has put himself in the top 10 in scoring. He's been better and better of late. William Nylander is playing better and better. I imagine we'll eventually see the best of John Tavares. Um, Frederick Anderson it didn't play great in Long Island, but he seems to be rounding into form. Like a lot of these things... I think in turn, I think their special teams can be better, but that doesn't mean it will be better. It just feels like those are a lot of things that that could change in a different direction. I guess what I'm not? saying though is, I'm just not sure if they are going to get better or not. Like I'm not sure. the The thing with the Leafs' performance to date is that they don't look great. Their record is not great, and if you look at like the underlying numbers and some of those things, they're not very good. Like they're when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, there was more room, I think, for reason for optimism looking at some of that stuff. That's become less the case over the last couple of weeks. Like it's 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 their results, their underlying numbers have become more problematic the last little while. Okay, well, I have some of them from my story. So uh, scoring chance percentage, they're 12th. Expected goals, 23rd. Expected goals for 21st. Expected goals against 19th. That's five on five. The power play numbers are okay, like some of the underlying numbers. The penalty killing numbers are bad. Um, so that's that's not encouraging. I, I don't think you can discount. We didn't mention like some of the injuries. You lose John Tavares for seven of the first 20 games. That hurts. They didn't have Zach Hyman. That hurts. They didn't have Travis Dermott. That hurts. That said, like – you can't look at them and look at their talent and say that they have performed up to their talent. Like you look at some other teams, like you can um, look at the Islanders and look at a lot of the underlying numbers and they're not good, but they have played above their talent level. Like you look at that lineup and you're like, how is this team winning games? And you look at the leaf lineup and you're like, how is this team not winning more games? You know what I mean? Well, and the Islanders, I mean, if we're looking at expected goals and that that's, that's a number that Kyle Dubas and has talked about in the past is one that he looks at as one of the metrics. I mean, the Islanders are right next to the Leafs in terms of expected goals. So we can talk about their underlying numbers aren't good, but you know, there's an example of one of the alarming things. If you look at the data with the Leafs is that a lot of their strength the last two or three years has been, they've been able to generate better chances than most teams in the league. 
Like they might not always be the best possession or coursey team, or they might not spend a lot of time in the offensive zone, but they really got to the net really well. They were really attacking down low really well and getting a lot of those opportunities. That really seems to be less the case this year. And that was, that's been one of the, one of the things in it, Anderson's going to be good. Uh, the power play was relatively strong and they generate a lot of high quality chances at even strength. And they're not doing that right now. So I think if there's, Anything that's the most concerning part of all of this, it's probably the fact that you talk about identity. It's almost like they lost the identity that they've had the last couple of years where they were able to do some of those things. Yeah, offensively, they haven't they haven't been great. Um, I do think that they've they've found a line that has been getting more consistent with Matthews, Nylander, and Janssen. That has a lot to do with Neilander, I think, performing better. Um, maybe now that they have Hyman back, the Tavares line gets a little better, but they don't have Marner. It's like they the injuries have to be part of this too. Like you wonder how they'll adapt this these next few weeks without Marner. Like how long does he miss? How do they replace what he brings? And yet, like you look at their third line, they should be getting more from their third line than they got last year. Their fourth line is not going to give them any offense. So. I don't know. Do you think that has something to do with it? I think they like you add Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry shoots a lot. And one thing like that stood out again against the Islanders is his shot isn't getting through at all. It's getting blocked constantly. So like that's a little thing. I just think it like I wonder if it's just like a lot of these little things are all adding up to them being underwhelming so far. Like injuries, new players, stars, uh, new coaches, new special teams. But it like to your point, like there's just like been a malaise over everything so far. And I like I but like why would the scoring chances dry up? Like that's a really weird thing. Maybe the personnel that they changed to, maybe it it doesn't make it's maybe it was a step backwards, you know, in some of these maybe you but talk it's about not Tyson that Berry. different, right? Like it's 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 different on defense. It's not that different up front like those first two lines are basically the same right like the the personnel is basically the same you've dramatic not dramatically but you've changed the fourth line to the point that they literally aren't there to generate offense although they did generate some chances in long island but like they're not giving you anything offensively they're that's not even like how they see their jobs the third line like why shouldn't a third line of kerfoot more Micaiah of Kapanen. Like, why shouldn't that generate something for you? Yeah, and, and it's interesting, you know, looking at it, if you look at, like, individual expected goals or individual scoring chances, Kerfoot and, and Mikheyev and uh, Moore are all fine. Like, they're some of the most... They're generating the most threats of that they've got on the team. You know, it's... It almost just feels like they've got... For some reason, I don't know why, if this is a stylistic change or I, let, let me, this is something I've been thinking about and I, it's kind of like a embryonic idea because I haven't fully thought it through or written about it or whatever. Like, I wonder if changing the style that they've played, there was all that talk the last two years about the stretch pass and like how Zaitsev and Hainsey were just kind of hammering it out of the zone and maybe they've lost their ability to generate chances like odd man rushes and, and maybe the way that they're breaking out of the zone and playing through the neutral zone is, is a reason that they're not generating as many high quality chances. Um, 
And they just it doesn't seem like they spend a lot of time in the offensive zone. Like it doesn't seem like they they're not That's really what I a think cycle. Is notable. Yeah. They're not really a cycle team, but they've they've never really been a cycle team though. Like under like the last three years. Like their personnel has never really but what they had last year and the year before was that you know, they would get Kapanen and going on on a rush or whatever, and they would get some odd man rushes more than what we've seen this year. Something's happening where they're just not generating as many. And the other thing too that and Ian talks written about this is that the defensemen seem to be taking a higher percentage of the shots. Like if you look at individual expected goals for their defensemen, they're all really, really low, really low. Like Barry's, you know, those shots that he's taking are giving them nothing. There's just no, no value to that. And he's taken a lot of shots. You know, he's, he's had almost eight shots per 60 minutes at even strength. Like if, Barry's shooting the puck more than, you know, per minute, more than, you know, Mikheyev and Tavares and Marner and Kapanen. You know, is Barry the guy you want? He's shooting, Barry's shooting the puck as frequently as Nylander, as Janssen. You know, the only players that are shooting more than Barry are Austin Matthews and Trevor Moore. That's, that's not ideal. And that's, I'm not even looking... I'm not even looking at shot attempts. Like if we do, you're talking about how everything's getting blocked by him. You do it to, sh- you move it to shot attempts, and then it becomes even more stark. Just how many, what, what, how, what percentage of their shot attempts are coming from Tyson Berry? Mm-hmm. Well, but I would argue last year they at least had like one kind of like grind you down line with the Tavares line, and they haven't had that, and, um. Like you mentioned it, like their offense is all kind of like one and done. Like there's not a lot of that Boston Bruins type top line roll around. And what's weird is like they've changed the way that they're they're giving out assignments where they're starting those lines in the offensive zone way more. Mm. Mm. So you would think like it would translate to the opposite. You know what I mean? Like you would think it would translate to better um scoring numbers because you're getting the offensive players in the offensive zone more often. No. Yes. And I, I've seen some folks on Twitter, like drag, like poll and some of these, these folks have, have pointed out that they've got this really extreme usage for the fourth line where they're getting every single, they're only getting defensive zone starts and that might be okay, but you need to see the payoff on the other lines, and I'm not sure that that we've seen it. So you've got this fourth line that isn't going to generate offense, and it starts in the D zone every shift, um, which should, in theory, be making life easier for the other lines. But just looking at the results in terms of the the chances they're generating and things like that, it it that payoff isn't there, and I don't know the reason why it's not there. Well, you know what it might be like, you wonder, like, let's just think about the Matthews line when they're starting in their own zone and let's say they're able to get the puck out, which they can do, obviously. And then they get a real threat. Yeah. Like then they get you on your heels if you're the opposition because they're coming at you with speed and then you've got Neilander and Matthews and Janssen all playing off the rush. I don't know. Maybe you take some of that away when you just start them in the offensive zone. Like maybe it's like. Like I think of basketball and like sometimes it's easier to defend when your defense is set and it's harder to defend when like a team is running because then you can't set your defense. You know what I mean? So the cl- the classic line that that was at the forefront of 
kind of this zone zone shifting, I think was what it was called when it started to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know which one it was that, that started doing this really aggressively? It was the, Z- the Sedins. The Sedins, right. So yeah. under Elaine Vigneault, you know, when I think it was it Daniel that won the heart or the Art Ross or whatever, like when the Sedins were some of the high scoring players in the league, they would start them in the offensive zone 75% of the time. And, uh, but the thing is, is that style of play, the Sedins are not that fast. And what they are really good at is playing in the offensive zone and cycling the puck around. And the Leafs, like I said, they, like the Leafs have not been an elite Corsi possession team the last few years with the personnel that they have. They just, they just haven't been, but what they've been good at is generating high quality chances. And it's... That, like I said, I think that's the most alarming thing. Like you can make excuses for all of this other stuff, like the injuries and the new players and all these, but there's a stylistic thing that's happening that's taken away one of their biggest strengths. And well, but what's unusual, James, is like now they are becoming, or they become like a, a better possession team. But it's like it's yeah. kind of like empty calories a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, and even then, like they're not, but they're not like a they're not like a dominant possession team. Like they've gotten a little bit better. Like last year they were at like in Corsi, they were like 51 something percent and now they're at 52.4. So they've gained a little bit and that, that, that might be, you know, all the point shots and and the zone shifting and that paying off in that respect, but they're, Mm -hmm. they've lost something else. Well, like look at the game uh, against the Islanders. So let's just look at the possession, the possession. I'll, I'll adjust it. Possession was 60% for the Leafs. Then you go to expected goals and it's 50-50. Always adjust your possession, people. Don't use unadjusted. So you like score it's effects like, and you get all kinds of stuff in there. You got to adjust your possession. So then it's 50-50 and it's like, maybe that's like, that's the tail of the season almost. I think the Chicago game was similar, right? Or like, yeah, yeah. The Chicago game was... I, I, I think that they were ahead in terms of controlling play and they were behind in terms of expected goals. And that Chicago's a team that was like third or fourth last in goal production coming into that game. And a little bit of that's Hutchinson, but they also, the Leafs gave up better chances than the Blackhawks did. And that's the other thing that we haven't talked about, but like defensively, the Leafs give up some really good chances and they're actually fortunate how good Anderson has been. Anderson has been ridiculously good most of the last two or three weeks so but they just like i don't i think their record kind of is what they are right now like maybe you can argue they'd be a little bit better if you know everyone was healthy and things like that but like they don't look like a hundred point team so far this season no they do not um all right james i know you are like me sometimes you come home from a long day at the arena or a long day talking on the phone you're a big important boss with the athletic and sometimes you just don't feel like cooking i know you're not as big a cook as i am i like to cook uh, but sometimes i don't feel like cooking at all and that's when i like to use doordash just to order something quick i get it home i just start eating i'm a big fan of burgers i love burger priest i like rudy doordash connects you to your favorite restaurants in the city in your city that's us toronto Ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app. You choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more 
when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LEAF. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code LEAF. Don't forget, that is the promo code LEAF for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. We obviously should talk about Marner uh, being out the next few weeks. Uh, But since we're on the goaltending, we haven't mentioned that Hutchinson was waived and replaced. I'm more of the opinion like they gave up some great chances in all those games. But to me, it's like very clear that he was not, is not an NHL goaltender right now. Where do you kind of fall on that, that spectrum of they're giving up really good chances, but he's also letting in a lot of goals that an NHL goalie should not let in. It's both. It's it. The team did not play very well in those games. They really did not. They really were not good defensively. But the other thing you notice with Hutchinson is that he gives up a lot of rebounds. Like yes, he doesn't add rebounds. He did. He doesn't settle the play. So like if you just watch the the pass and the shot that beat him, it's like oh how could he have stopped that? But some of those plays don't exist if you're sucking the puck in the way that the best goalies in the NHL do, like Carey Price and Anderson's like that too. Like Anderson catches a lot of pucks. Hutchinson. His glove hand is not very good. It's not. It's just like I don't have like historical numbers on his glove hand and whatever, but like you can just tell watching him that a lot of stuff he he kind of it's it reminds me of Reimer a little bit. He like you hit it away with your glove as opposed to and that can make a big difference because all of a sudden, you know, your team doesn't know where the puck's going when it rebounds off the goalie. And if you look at there's data on this, I don't have it in front of me, but the the rebound chances when Hutchinson's in net are way, way higher. And you can argue some of that is that the Leafs are, are playing those games tired and uh, not very well defensively, but that's not all of it. It's just, it's not. And it's it's hard to evaluate goalies when, like, he's played 300 minutes. He's, he's, he's started five games, you know, it's, but he hasn't been good enough. And this is what I was concerned about and what surprised me. I mean, if you go back and listen to our summer podcast and our preseason podcast, I was saying the whole way along that I thought they were going to get another goalie, that they need a guy, even a guy who's going to be a, that Hutchinson was a good number three option if someone gets hurt, that, and they never did. And they don't really have a good number three option now. Like Kaskasu had a good playoff last year for the Marlies kind of unexpectedly, and he's had a good start to the season. But man, like, it's not like they don't really have any anywhere to turn here that, that gives you a lot of confidence. And I agree with the decision to waive Hutchinson. Some people seem surprised about it or whatever, but Hutchinson's a like he seems like a great guy, but he's a dime a dozen guy. Like he's a he's a league minimum guy who's a decent AHL goalie. Like you can find a Hutchinson like they're probably on waivers like every two or three weeks. Like he's not special. So like Waving him to try your other goalie who's playing really well and has a lot of confidence confidence right now is a complete no-brainer. Like there's no – I don't know how you could criticize this, this decision at all. What you can criticize is the fact that they didn't go get another goalie. Yeah, but even that like it has its, its thorns. Like they don't have any cap space. Like where are you going to get another goalie? Like you don't have room. Like you barely have room when everyone's healthy with Hutchinson making 700. Like – I don't. I just don't know how you, who you find, 
who who do you well, get? Like, like I guess I like mean, you could make a trade and like you give up something and and maybe the team eats a bunch of that guy's money. But like, is that guy like substantially better? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's. I'm, I'm starting I saw, to wonder. Like, in your mailbag, like, you mentioned like, like someone asked you about Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard's like maybe not, marginally he's not any better. better than Hutch. He's not even much better than Hutchinson. Yeah, it's and, like a, and he's it's like one of the money. It's like one of the costs of of like paying your stars a lot of money. Like you just don't have a lot of room. Like something has to be sacrificed, and and that's that's what it is. I guess they could drop down to like a bare minimum roster of 20 players and not have any extra players and you could bring in, I mean, they really only have like an extra, it's like 200 grand or something, right? So they can only spend at the backup goalie position, they can only spend 900 K without having to trade something else out or what they could, or they could demote, they could go with no extra forwards, no extra defensemen and get a more expensive goalie. Like then you could get a backup that makes what 1.5 or something like that Mm -hmm. i just don't think you can i just don't think you can argue what why do you you think what's that like why do you think they did this why did they make this decision like do you think they like overrated what hutchinson was or i i honestly like when i was looking at some of their their stuff in the off season like you and i both came around to their goaltending and we both concluded what's been the case that it looked really weak, that they didn't have a lot of depth. But I just don't know, like, what else could they have done? I guess well, that's, I mean, like, you could, an, it's, you it's could find a better hindsight. But, like, if we go back goalie. to that time, what else could you have done? I guess you, you could have tried to trade for someone and, and retain, get that team to retain something. But, like, who is that guy? Yeah, I've been playing around with if they get some team to give them a goalie. And, like... They could they could get a league minimum goalie. Like I was looking at Jack Campbell in LA. He's the backup there. I don't know how much better he is than Hutchinson, but he's a young guy. He's he's his numbers are okay. But I wondered like if like LA season's a wash, basically. Like if they retained half his salary, then all of a sudden the Leafs have a backup goalie that's making three fifty. Um and I checked and like that's that's legal. Like you can do that. You can get teams to retain half a salary of a league minimum guy, and then you can have players that make less than the league minimum and that might be something that the Leafs have to look at doing because that could potentially free them up to have more players on the roster if they can get some guys that are making, you know, 300 and something. Um, but that's not necessarily a big upgrade over what you got. But it just, like, if like if Kaskasu doesn't work out, then then they got to go get somebody else, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's... And then you have to pay something like then you have to pay an asset. Like if you're one of these teams and you know, the Leafs are in a crunch, you're not going to like expect something great for, for one of these guys, but you're still going to expect something, especially if you're retaining money. The one thing like that, that we didn't mention and that I kicking myself that I didn't mention in my, my story after the game in long Island, when I was kind of going through everything that that's happened is they, they did try something else. They did try to bring Michael Neuwirth in on a PTO and like, Based on his track record, he would be better than Hutchinson. He just like couldn't literally in camp just couldn't stay healthy. And like that's obviously the knock on his career. They tried that and that it just bombed because he 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 was hurt. Yeah, but like if they talk to anybody in the Flyers organization, like that's been dogging him for like months or, or sorry, years and years. Like he's had many seasons where he hasn't been re- healthy reliably. Yeah. Like he's 
he's not playing anywhere right now. Like I think he's done. You know, he's only 30 years old and his career's over. And that like that never made sense to me is like that's that's your fallback. Like, what if he can't play? And that's what ended up happening. Like it But what know, else do the you whole backup do? goalie things? Well, they gotta like I mean, Pittsburgh waved to Smith. I mean, like you they had that guy to, was making too much, I think. Yeah, well, get them to retain, give them something better, or like like you're looking at this so like they have to make this decision in September. I mean, they could have tried to make this decision in May or June or July and like made it more of a priority to figure out who their backup goalie is going to be. No, but I'm saying like I'm trying to think of like what they could have done in the summer and I don't know what it is. Well, do you want me to pull up the list of all of like the backup goalies in the league and what their numbers are? Like Yeah, they all are not guys. good. They're all just dudes. All the backups are bad in the whole league? The guys that were available? Like teams aren't just going to trade you their decent backup, don't they? Need their their decent backup. Well, I mean, it just sounds like we're just like like we I'm can't not, say no, that there I'm, was nothing. Honestly, I we criticized them in the summer. Do. No, we criticized them. Like I I criticized it in the summer. Like I, I didn't think that they were deep enough, and and obviously that's proven to be the case. But like now that I'm thinking about, it, I just like I don't know what they could have done given given the world that they were occupying with Marner being unsigned and like not having cap space, like it's going to bite them. Like this is just, it, it, it's bitten them. Uh, especially There's my guy, if, Tristan, Tristan Jari, nine, two, nine save percentage in Pittsburgh. That's who I wanted them to go after. Right. They Pittsburgh kept didn't want to, I know, but like, it just didn't seem like it was a high enough priority having a, a decent backup. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about like the, you and I both believe that it's, it's an undervalued, position and it it would be thrust into a crazy limelight if 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 anderson ever got hurt um well anders nielsen and ottawa's having a good start ottawa's maybe they'll yeah. trade him yeah and, about... and honestly maybe it'll get to that point just because like you need to have a little bit more security like you'd like someone who could forget about just starting these second half of back-to-backs you'd like someone who could like play a bit and maybe take the odd start from from Anderson, like not just those crappy starts, you know. Ryan Miller's having a good start. I wonder if Anaheim's not in contention if they'll trade him during the season. Doesn't like what's Georgiev and I. I don't think Miller's making that much. Miller I think he might be. have a bonus. I think he might have bonuses in his deal. And... He. I'm guessing he doesn't want to leave there. No, I don't think he would want to leave. No. Because he's got his family and everything there, and but maybe maybe like it's like a trade deadline thing, and he leaves for two months or whatever. I mean, they're I guess they're gonna have to if. I mean, I know that they're in a position now where they're gonna. It's we're not sure if they're gonna make the playoffs or not right now, but they're gonna have to address the backup goalie situation before they go into the playoffs. You would think so, and yet I would be like. It's it's really tough. Like you don't like want to give up something good to get a backup goalie, and yet it can cost you big time. Anyway, we should Chris talk McElhinney's about. McElhinney's got a nine oh six save percentage right now. So like sub league average. What is the league average this year? Is it like James Reimer nine oh one league average? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked at what exactly it is this year, but it's usually like I think it's probably around probably just over nine ten. Probably, it it changes every year. I can pull it up really quickly. Got it. It is nine oh eight. Yeah, so that's 
lower than it's been in the past. Jonathan mm-hmm. Bernier, eight eight ninety one. Yeah, so like not much better. Um, what is your level of? I like this level of concern. We should have like a rating, uh, a meter. You're going to do that for me for every single question around the team. Well, how significant do you think? Um, like when we look at like the the pecking order, where would Marner being out for a month? And maybe more like high ankle sprains are not a joke. Yeah, probably. Like Where would he weeks. rank in like the 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 order of of Leafs they could least afford to lose for like a month plus? Anderson's number one for me for sure. Um, obviously, if Anderson went down, that would be cataclysmic, especially if he was down for a long period of time. Um, next to me would be Tavares or Matthews. Probably Matthews with the way Matthews is producing right now would be a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then it's going to be Riley or Muzzin on the back end of the minutes that they're playing. Um, I just think they're better equipped to replace Marner. And then it's probably Marner, got a lot, though, like after those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But they've got a lot of scoring on the wing. They've got guys that they could bump up. It's, it's certainly not ideal. But the other thing too is though, Jonas, is that like the power play has been so ineffective with Marner there it's almost a blessing in a little bit of a sense. And just like they can try some different looks and get away from what, what wasn't working with Marner there. And they're going to miss him for sure. Um, But it it seems like he's, I don't know. I know he has a point of game, but it's been a bit of a tough year with the new contract and everything. And then he gets hurt and then um, he's going to have to come back. Maybe skating won't be all the way there just because of that injury. It's, it's tough. I mean, but you know it's, what, James? It's going like, to be interesting. To, go ahead. Like they got to get out of this funk without him here in the next six weeks. Otherwise, like, can you imagine what it's, the mood's going to be like in the in the market if if they keep, you know, if they're on pace for eighty five points in another month or two? Mm-hmm. Well, but the thing with Marner is, and like it, it's kind of speaks to when you're a good player. Like even when he's not having a good year, he's a point a game, and it's like it's it's. It's funny how it seems to work that way sometimes with with players of his caliber, and like the five on five production has not been good. It's not been good for Tavares, but like you still look at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, like he still has eighteen points in eighteen games. I'm I'm curious, and I'm obviously I wrote about it. I'm curious like how that line functions without him. Like what Tavares can do without Marner. Obviously, he did perform for years and years and years. In Long Island, I thought he looked that, good against the Islanders. I they look good, I right? He, yeah, he might have been their best skater. I thought. Yeah, and and honestly, you know, Mike Babcock like goes over the top with it sometimes, but you could see the difference that Hyman makes too, right? Yeah, and he played well too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah, but they they just need some players like that that are doing what Hyman does, and it it comes down to the cycle game thing that we're talking about a little bit, and. That but listen, line, man, Hyman, like Tavares. Tavares is one of the highest paid players in the league. He needs to be able to like drive a line without Marner. Like he, he can though. Like he can. Well, he can he's drive shown a line. it for like, years. He, yeah. It almost makes me think that maybe Tavares and Matthews and Marner could all be on different lines and then then you'd have a real threat on all three. Well, that would be really interesting if this combination of Hyman, Tavares, and Kapanen worked, and then you brought Marner back and played him like with Kerfoot. Anyway, well, that's a long way off. We'll see. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap? 
um no i think that's it i think that i think we covered it it's you know they they lost three games in a row people might wonder like if you go back and listen to some of the podcasts we weren't quite as negative but they lost three games and you know some of the problems that were there earlier are getting more pronounced and this 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 upcoming road trip pittsburgh vegas arizona colorado it's it's going to be really big you know it's they they need to find a way out of the funk well i mean even before that like they've got boston on friday then they play in yep. pittsburgh on saturday and obviously pittsburgh going up crosby but that'll be cascasuo's first game we'll see how that goes i do actually before we go uh, I'm sure you saw Kyle Dubas's defense of Cody Cece. What do you think of Cody Cece and the season that he's had? And what do you make of that? I mean, you and I have both written about Cece in the last like week, right? Like, and my, he, like his numbers are fine. And like, I don't think he should be in the role that he's in, but I can see why the Leafs are doing it because they don't really have a great option to play that, those hard minutes and, I think what he's calling out is is a double standard a little bit. Whereas if you're going to call a guy out for his numbers being really bad, which obviously CC's were in, in Ottawa, then you also have to be fair. And, and when they're they're halfway decent here, like you, you can't have it both ways, I guess. Who's he responding to? It's like almost like he's talking like not to the media, but to like, like a lot of the media don't use those numbers. It's only you, me and probably CJ. Right. Is there? I don't know that it's. I haven't seen, but like, elsewhere. I don't know. Like, did did you feel like your story was like? No, I I negative, pointed out the numbers. Really neg- like, I literally wrote in the story that like if you strip right. away like everything you thought about him before, and you just looked at the numbers, you'd be like, eh, he's been fine. But maybe it's fans. Like yeah. Kyle Dubas is on Twitter. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's it, it feels like a a GM now is like talking about what's being said unfairly about one of his players is like kind of like the. Maybe it's like radio and stuff. I mean, it doesn't just have to be the writers, right? It could be, you know, other media people. CC, I, I said I said this to you at the last game we were at together that there's a little bit of, I think I said there's a little bit of Gardner in him and that he'll look fine for long stretches and then he'll make a big mistake and it'll cost them. Obviously, they're way different players, but there's that, there's that element of the big mistake a little bit to CC and those guys sometimes get criticized a lot more than, than other players who don't who don't have the same makeup. Yes. Very fair. All right. Uh, next time we'll be chat. You'll be in, I'm trying to look at where the game is next week. You'll be in Arizona. Ooh. Yeah. We'll probably, yeah, we'll probably do it after the Vegas game, right? Yeah. yeah. On the Wednesday. Uh, so that should be fun. All right. Well, Th- thank you for trip. giving me the Vegas Arizona road trip in November when it's there's a foot of snow outside in Toronto. It's I appreciate that. Enjoy it, enjoy it, man. It'll be warm. You you won't have to look at snow for a few days. Love it. All right, talk next week. Thanks, dude.